today I learned. Today I am interviewing Matt Solari, who is the admin of UX House, which is a Discord server, and he's also a professional UX designer at Raymore and Flanagan. Give you like a brief intro into what today I learned is all about. So basically it's it's a it's not like a podcast series about uh, problems and solutions and I'm trying to take it like as broad as possible it could mean a lot of things it could be UX and UI problems and solutions or it could be problems and solutions in our careers right but it's a way for us to like reflect think about our choices and also think about well how could have things ended up differently if I had done something differently right, right. so yeah I'm glad that you're here uh, today because um, a lot of members on our server, they may be somewhat familiar with you. They've, they've heard of um, UX House. They've um, joined your drop-in critiques. It's been pretty successful with um, my group as well because on my server we have a lot of like junior UX designers or people just breaking into the industry or they're self-taught. So they love the fact that they can go to your server and you know you lead the discussion and they could speak up about their projects and get really good feedback from some other talented designers that are on your server as well yeah. um the thing is is that uh most of us we don't really know you like your background so i'm gonna offer you this question like can you tell us a little bit about yourself it's it's a hard question to answer for me because i've had a very eclectic path. So originally when I was in high school, I was uh, aiming to go to school to get a doctorate's degree in astrophysics. (laughs) And I couldn't afford it. So I took a scholarship at a school um, where I could get a degree in graphic design because that was basically my fallback. I loved space. I loved, you know, just learning about the unknowns and everything like that. Mm. And, you know, I'd always just messed around with Photoshop. I had known, I've known how to use Photoshop and Illustrator Mm. since I was like 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. I'd also done some uh, light programming work. Like I learned a little bit of C++, uh, did stuff in Python, CSS Mm. was, you know, sprinkled in there. I started learning how to do web programming through high school as well. Um, and I was just kind of always interested in all these random things. And I was always very proficient at learning new software and learning how to use, um, different kinds of software that all kind of become, you know, I used GIMP, I used Inkscape, I used Illustrator. Mm-hmm. Now I use Affinity, you know, Adobe products, you know, all those things, Figma, Sketch. I know how to use them all. I'm just very good at learning those things. So graphic design was my fallback and mm-hmm. I went through school and, uh, got my, you know, got, I got my degree in graphic design and I actually had this one chance to work. Uh, I was going to work in a, the office mm-hmm. or the building that, that, um, uh, Milton Glazer also worked in. Uh, mm-hmm. he owned the building and he, there was also this other designer and I, I forget how to pronounce his name. I won't bother, mm-hmm. but I, I totally botched this interview because I showed up and I was wearing a suit. I was told, you know, you wear a suit to a job interview, right? That's what I was taught my entire life. Yeah. And the guy immediately opens up the door. He doesn't even say hello. He just says, you're overdressed. And uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay. And then we sat down. He didn't ask me any questions. He had me ask him questions. 
And I didn't know what to say because I was also told that I need to be prepared to speak about my work and speak about my experience and what mm -hmm. I can do. And so why was I to expect to, you know, ask this, the interviewer questions because nobody had ever prepared me for that. Suffice it to say, I didn't get the job. And I then spent the next four-ish years trying to find a different path. I ended up getting a job as a gas station attendant. Mm -hmm. And then I got a job as a printer. I worked in a print shop where I was doing vinyl signage, vinyl on cars. We were doing mm -hmm. large, uh, medium, uh, small to medium run, large format printing, signage and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I got to work with channel lettering and, and, and some simple electronics, lighting systems, okay. neon signs. Um, I got to work with industrial printers, die cutters. I got a lot of experience in the print industry, uh, hands-on. And then I worked as an account manager for a print design or a print advertising agency mm -hmm. where I was doing sales, essentially, cold calling, selling, you know, trying to sell people catalogs and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that, trying mm -hmm. to get in with um, retailers who have large catalogs of products that they need, you know, they have to have those things printed. It was going to trade shows. I was traveling all over. Hmm. What happened after that? Then I was a cafe manager because, hmm. um, I wasn't getting paid enough. I was essentially losing money working this job because of how much they were having me travel. I wasn't really getting reimbursed for a lot of it. Hmm. Um, and then I got a job as a cafe manager where I did a lot of their social media um, as well as running the store. So I managed, I managed a team of people, bakers and cleaners, um, baristas. I did a lot of, a lot, a lot of cooking, a lot of coffee making myself. Nice. I learned a lot about baking. I, I handled their, I tried to handle their website. They ended up not actually following through with the website, but I did a lot of their social media stuff, you know, did some simple graphic design work. And then I freelanced as a web developer. <laughs> I know this is a long thing, but it, it, it's, it's important yeah. in the end because of, of, of how it all culminates into, into the work that I do now. Yeah. Um, and then I worked as a, as a freelance web developer where I was working mostly with WordPress. I was doing a lot of front-end development, doing some PHP coding. I was learning, you know, doing some simple JavaScript uh, stuff. And um, after that, I finally got my first real graphic design job where I worked as a graphic designer for another print uh, ad agency where they did a lot of stuff for trade shows, but instead of selling the, the, the trade show, you know, materials like, you know, banners and catalogs, I was actually designing the stuff, um, mm. which is something that I didn't have the opportunity to do. Uh, I was also doing a lot of web design and UI design as well because they were trying to branch out. And then I ended up getting this offer at the current company that I'm working at as a UX designer. So that is essentially my career so far. <laughs> it has been really weird and mm -hmm. it doesn't really make a lot of sense, I think, to an outside perspective. But ultimately, all of this, all of the things that I've learned along the way, like people skills from my account management and my calf, you know, my manager, uh, my manager, uh, position at, at a cafe, right. Mm -hmm. Those are extremely important because I, I had to learn how to be diplomatic. I had to learn how to make a cell. I had to learn how to speak to people, um, without really stepping on the wrong, you know, on the wrong toes. Right. Yeah. Um, 
in order to make something happen. I had to work with, you know, I had to make sure that scheduling and stuff like that, budgeting, all those good things, those just give me perspective as to how I can work more at a larger organization because I understand how project management works Mm -hmm. more than the average designer. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm working with product managers and project managers, um, I'm able to really speak with them more. My experience as a web developer, I'm able to speak with developers more, um, you know, and, and my design experience, I'm able to, I basically can talk to anybody and I can speak in their language. That is brilliant. (laughs) And that is essentially how, you know, how, uh, that all culminates into a very useful skill set that I'm, I, 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 I feel has, has benefited my, my career and, and the work that I do um, up until this point. Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe you do have a lot more in common with other designers than you think, because even though your pathway to your career seemed, like, less direct, it's like I was pretty much, like, the same way as well. Like, technically, my first print job I got when I was in high school, I was like 18 years old. And it was more like a co-op position. So I was kind of shadowing a graphic designer there, but I still learned a lot about print design and marketing, like mm-hmm. from when I was 18 years old, right? And even before right. then, like I picked up software, I learned how to um, download uh, Photoshop and all that stuff. And I started goofing around on it when I was really young, right? So I have some of those like digital skills instilled me instilled in me from like a long time ago. But when it came to like getting my first actual paid like graphic design job, it took me many years before I actually got there. So I was kind of like you, working in cafes, you know, um, working odd jobs. Um, I once helped someone make fake IDs before. Like I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just like I'll I'll do it for money, <laughs> like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And um, what else did I do? Um, yeah, like I worked bullshit retail jobs, you know, stuff that was kind of soul-sucking, but it kind of made me, I guess, tolerant of people's pain points, because one of my most stressful jobs that I worked at was, like, Walmart. I stayed there for an entire year before going into college, and I don't know how I could have done it, but, like, I was so nervous working there, like, I couldn't even speak up into, um, you know, the, what do you call it? Um, whenever you uh, make an announcement, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I couldn't do that. Like, there were so many things I was just so freaking awkward at, and I just couldn't do anything right. But it was one of those jobs where, like, I asked people the same dumbass question, like, "Did you find everything you were looking for today?" But I was actually looking forward to hearing their answer. Like, I actually do want to know because I want to hear something else besides, you know, a colleague complaining about me, right? So if someone told me about their pain points, like they couldn't find something, I would level with them and be like, hey, you know what, you could find it in like aisle blah, 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 you know? Like I try to actually solve the, the customer's problems because I figured, well, that's my job. I'm supposed to do this. And I feel as though everyone else working there was just like getting by just doing the bare minimum, right? So I think yeah. working in customer service jobs, I like, I just became good at just observing human behavior in general, you know, just the little things that people do that are a little bit weird and awkward it's like okay well why are they doing that like how can we persuade people to not just make a sale but how can we get them to like feel a certain thing when they buy something do they feel like they trusted us that the whole experience was what they expected that they're not buying something just because we pressured them to but this is something that they need you know so yeah yeah i feel like those kind of jobs kind of teaches you to like understand the customer's needs 
like how to communicate with them effectively. And that very much like folds over into what we do like as, as graphic designers and also UX designers, right? It's all a part of that whole experience. Like I've heard of the term yeah. CX used before in like marketing and that's basically it. It's just designing the customer's experience to a T so that everything from interactions in store, online, over the phone, it's like seamless, right? So yeah, I mean, that's interesting that like you went through all those phases throughout your career, but I'm really curious about like, um, why is it that you've chosen maybe to focus more on uh, UX design instead of development? Because development seems like a skill that you really like excel in and you learn very quickly in. So what made you stick with design? Well, because I think that without the, because I mean, you're right. I do. I think I enjoy programming more. I think it feels more fulfilling. It's much more logical. I'm a very logical person. I, I, I like things to be nice, clean cut. Uh, very, I'm a very like right and wrong person, right? There's a very fine mm. line and there's only two sides of the coin to me. Mm. Um, I do, I do pride myself in being able to see the edge of the coin and being able to consider that there is always that gray area. However, for me, a lot of things just personally are, are very distinctly, um, I know where I stand on things. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so programming, I feel like is much more uh, aligned with my personality type. However, I have, I think pretty good taste for mm -hmm. aesthetics. I've always thought that I've, I know what looks good and I just, I know it looks good because I know it looks good. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have an eye for it. I have an eye for, for, to, to be able to see, you know, the tiny little adjustments that need to be made to really make something feel balanced mm -hmm. and to make it feel and look the way it needs to feel and look. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I, I have this skill, I might as well use it. And, um, UX design, at least, I'm more, I'm working closer with development than I am, uh, than I would be if I was just doing straight up graphic design. Mm -hmm. I do still do some programming, right? Mm -hmm. I do still do those things. I'm, I'm actually continuing to learn. I'm, I've been taking a course and this is something that I have to, I have to, uh, find more time to, to spend on because I, I, I am, a, like I said earlier, I'm a very eclectic person. I just, I'm, my interests range wildly. So I've been trying to take a 3D course so I could learn 3JS, which is mm -hmm. doing WebGL 3D stuff using JavaScript, mm -hmm. uh, using the JavaScript library. And so I, I really want to continue down that path because 3D modeling and VR, that's essentially uh, virtual reality. That's where I want to work in the future. That's like my end goal. I want to be able to work. And I actually do, I, I do hardware projects as well. Like I, I uh, have some Arduinos. I, I, I do the, you know, stuff like that. Cause I want to work not just with designing the experience. I want to be working with the code that creates the experience that I, I want to be working with the hardware that runs the code that creates the experience. Right. I want to be working with a product every step of the way. And I feel like VR is really that space for it. So design for, is really just for right now, but like ultimately the idea is to be, uh, you know, a, a total generalist. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, I, I do want to be working, you know, with others, other things. This is just, you know, a stepping stone in that direction. I actually have the opportunity at my current, at my current position where um, we are trying to add uh, 3D representation of our products to our site, possibly AR application to okay. go alongside with those things. So um, I'm being, uh, what's the word? I guess I'm, I'm being solicited by particular uh, member, uh, particular particular peers who are working on those projects for my insight because they know that that's something I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's something that I'm really excited to, to continue to work on and see see develop more. And, and, and I'm hoping that that gives me a little bit of a taste on working with a larger, a more specific 3D AR, AR product, because this is obviously just going to be one feature in our entire ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not the dedicated experience, obviously. So um, the goal is to just eventually get to the, get to the point where I can um, you know, work on something in a dedicated experience for that, uh, for, for something more, more along those lines. So design for right now, but again, I don't think I'm ever going to be satisfied with just doing one, one thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it, it's, 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 it's just looking towards the future. This is, this is the right choice for me, uh, to continue evolving my career path and kind of solidify it, I guess, because, and like you said, a lot of designers do have eclectic experiences and, and backgrounds and everything like that. But I feel like that's particularly true for graph uh, for UX design, right? The, the user experience, everybody I have met has mm -hmm. come from such an interesting backgrounds mm -hmm. where they ended up getting their job because they took a boot camp, not because they went to, they went to school. You know, whereas graphic design, it's like everybody's had a very, very, like, the experience getting from untrained to trained is is pretty similar mm -hmm. across the board. And you're learning how to use bitmapping and vector software. You're learning how to, you know, do color theory. You're learning traditional art. You're learning, you know, all of these things. And essentially... The idea is, you know, pretty pretty much the same all around the board, no matter which way you look at it and where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But UX design is not so it's not so standard, and that's actually a big reason why I created UX House is because I want to help create standards for UX design, um, where there really aren't any yet, and that's um, that's where uh, I feel like you know it's it's. We, we see a lot of UX designers and, and, you know, people working in user experience in general mm -hmm. where their, their background is just very odd. They're coming from psychology degrees. Mm -hmm. They're coming from, you know, HCI. They're coming from, you know, working, you know, some, some developers end up being, becoming like people who worked in software engineering, right? Yeah. And then, or data scientists, mm -hmm. like it's just, there's much more range for the type of person that ends up in a position working as a UX designer compared to graphic design, I think, when it comes to skill sets, because UX design is still so, like I said, there's not the standard yet. So it's like all these people are coming in and it's a bit of a melting pot. And I think that we're getting pretty close to having more standards. Like now that we have more programs, mm -hmm. there's actual masters, uh, masters programs yeah. and everything like that. Um, so, you know, we're getting closer that to that normalization, but... 
Yeah, I also think that it's really broad because a lot of people who come from a background of psychology, data science, and stuff like that, all of that is applicable to UX design. Whereas yeah. with, with graphic design, I just feel like, you know, most of the choices that I'm making does feel like intuitive guessing. And I think UX design is a lot better for even my personality and sensibilities because I kind of like to design things for a purpose, not just because it looks good, but because it's actually going to function and it's actually going to help people, right? Yeah. And to actually have yeah. data to back that up, that makes it way less mystifying, right? So it's more targeted. So, yeah, I think maybe that's why it also attracts people from all these different industries is because it kind of ties over with what they've learned from, I guess, in their degrees in engineering or... Uh, in psychology, you know? Yeah. But also, exactly. I think it's because of software like Figma, where basically it's like another version of Photoshop, but just stripped down to basically all the parts that you really need to get a prototype done. Doesn't take up much space on your hard drive, it's super fast, doesn't crash, and almost everyone can pick up and learn how to use it. So now the learning curve for like design is like changing. So someone with absolutely no experience could learn design just like that. Whereas for me, it took me years to like develop that sensibility, so I'm kind of like scared now. <laughs> so yeah, there's a, a lot of competition. But other than that, yeah. I still see you as kind of like a unicorn, because like you, you do everything. Like you're really good at development and you're really good at design. And I'm thinking to myself, I read so many articles that kind of disparage this idea that like unicorns exist and I'm like, but there's here, there's, there's one right here, there's a unicorn right here in front of me. <laughs> How could this not be true? But yeah. I, I, I guess when it comes to like jobs, I've just been reading a lot of articles about how more professions are becoming more specialized and that, you know, the whole jack of all trades thing is kind of like, like a dying art, like what we really or rather, the types of jobs that are, um, I think, maybe more plentiful would be the ones that are sp uh, specialized in a specific area, rather than being very broad. What do you think about that? Do you think that's true, or do you see it differently? Um, so, let me understand. What I understand of what you just asked is basically that people are, are having less and less capacity for learning multiple skills. Um... Not necessarily. I, I just see it as employers are hiring uh, professionals who are specialized in a particular area, right? So they're not hiring people who have this jack-of-all-trades kind of mindset. So I'm just right. wondering if that's something Okay, that you so notice. it's more so from the, from the employer's end then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I mean, I have found it very difficult to find work as somebody who is essentially not like I, I can't I can't ex I can't really get to the to the point where somebody who has had mm. the same job mm. or has done the same job for many companies because mm. I just haven't and I haven't had any interest in doing the same things over and over again I want mm. to be doing things that other people aren't doing and so mm. that's where I, f I have found it very difficult to find uh, decent work. And all the previous experiences that I mentioned earlier mm. have been very poor experiences, I think, for me. And there's really nothing that I, I could have done to change that uh, just because of the fact that 
nobody was willing to like i went to this i went to this you know like i'll go back to that first store that i i I talked about where i went to a designer very Mm -hmm. very talented designer i would have loved to have worked in the office it was a junior designer position it literally was exactly what i wanted Mm-hmm. And I showed up and I did I did what everybody told me to do. Yeah. And that that's exactly why I didn't get the job. And I'm still resentful over that to this day and I think that I I basically rejected everything that everybody had told me in school from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I've never I've never gone I've never gone back. And that's made mm-hmm. my career more difficult because I'm not willing to listen to other people um, when they say that I need to be a certain way or I need to yeah. do this specifically and I, I need to focus on nothing else but exactly this. Like, it's mm. just not what I'm interested in uh, anymore because the last time I listened to somebody who, you know, told me that I need to do it this way and I need to do it that way, well, they mm. ended up costing me basically my my entire, like, if I wanted to, if I had gotten that job, I just would have become a designer like I would have been a designer I probably would have worked at pentagram after that job you know like I probably would have worked at a big agency in 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 New York and everything would have been much easier but I showed up to that job overdressed according to this to uh, according to this guy yeah I wasn't prepared with any questions and he found me boring he ended the interview early it was embarrassing and I felt defeated Oh, and okay. I didn't appreciate the fact that, you know, it's just that that could have been avoided if somebody had just been like, hey, you know, designers actually don't want to see you show up in a suit. Like, because basically ever since then, everybody's told me, like, why would you do that? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but like, if it was if it wasn't common sense to everybody who was teaching me in a graphic <laughs> design program, but it was common sense to everybody else who's ever like done anything, you know, design wise, like, then why was I being told that? Like, I, I find that so confusing. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense, and also, it's I don't know because the way that I was told was that it's better to show up overdressed to an interview than underdressed, so it's better to wear exactly. a suit. Than to just go in with khaki shorts and a t-shirt, right? Exactly. So the fact that that guy yeah. judged you so harshly for being super professional, it's like, oh, why, he, why he, would you want to work for he, someone who's going to trash you like that? They should respect yeah. you, first of all. No, so he, he, he resented me immediately because of the way that I was dressed. Like, it was it was kind of ridiculous. And ultimately, like, I probably, I probably would have been one of those situations where I was working for a very egotistical, very harsh critic you know like Mm. that's it would have been one of those experiences where I would have gone like I would have gotten pretty pretty much like the best training I could have possibly have gotten for you know what it was what it was worth um and I would have come out of it with a great either I would have I would have burnt out or I would have stuck with it and I would have just become a really really great designer Um, I wouldn't consider myself to be a really, really great designer. I am very good at what I do. Uh, I, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong, but, um, I just think that I would have been on another, it would have been, I would have been a a different caliber of designer, I think. Mm -hmm. But, um, essentially what, um, I guess bringing it back to your original question is that ever since then though, like I, you know, 
it was like I was basically I rejected all conventions after that and yeah. that just that also made it much harder for me to find to find work and mm. um and I I just did what I had to do I learned uh all these different skills I tried to connect with the people that I could but it was it's hard because that experience really turned me off of the design world. I stopped, mm. I stopped, I stopped looking for, you know, big name designers to collaborate with. I stopped following up on AIGA news. Like I, I didn't care about the design world anymore because mm. I felt like I was rejected by it. Aww. And so I rejected it, you know, that's what I did. Aww. And then, and then I, I ended up in those situations where I was, and then I found my way back, but I found my own way back. And that's yeah. the important part. And that's what ultimately uh, that's what, you know, I'm grateful for it all because I found my own way instead of listening to other people's way. Right. I like that. So that's essentially, that's essentially like the lesson that I've taken out of it. And, you know, some days I wonder what it would have been like if I just took on the $400,000 of debt that I would have, I would have taken on, mm -hmm. uh, to get a, you know, doctorate to doctorate's degree in astrophysics. But, mm -hmm. um, I don't regret, I don't regret my path really. I'm glad. I'm glad you went through that experience and you learned those things. I was actually so sad for you when you said that you felt rejected by the design community because I felt pretty much the same way myself. <laughs> so like I could I could relate with you there. Um, but yeah, the thing I mean is, it was harsh. Mm -hmm. It was really harsh to like show up and basically having done everything that everybody told you. Like yeah. you're looking at yourself and you're like, I I did what I was supposed to. I I did the right did what I was told mm -hmm. I was supposed to do mm -hmm. and. I I got I got punished for it essentially, and I was like, "That's that's pretty messed up." And I, I really I yeah I became very resentful over that. Mm, totally understand you. I'm there with you. Um, I wanted I was meaning to ask you like, how do you feel about um, starting your own business? So I I uh, I did some freelance work. Um, kind of under an LLC it's it's hard to um it's hard for it's hard to uh what's 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 it called um like I I, I picked up a couple of projects uh as as an I had an I I filed for an LLC and I didn't really make a ton of money like doing it I just did like you know I did a, like a $300 branding project right like that was that was the the most that I did but I found that because like how if I can't even get my own portfolio together because I don't even really understand the services I provide, how am mm. I supposed to get together a portfolio for a company that hasn't done any work? Yeah. Right. So that's the way that I felt about it. And I haven't really done anything with my LLC since. Mm. Um, I did a very local branding project for a, uh, it was the, the, it was the chamber of commerce for the town I was living in at the time. And they did, it was like a $300, little you know bing bang boom it was super easy and uh they were very happy with the end result and mm -hmm. i tried to get more work out of them after that but i think that they uh saw the value of you know professional design work done for just three hundred dollars mm. when really logos should cost probably at least three times that um for for any for any you know individual worth their salt and um yeah, um, 
I, I, I would like to start my own agency, like, maybe later on down the road. Like I said, like, I want to work with, with hardware. I want to work, yeah. you know, from end-to-end product and stuff like that and being able to do, like, a startup uh, where we're developing new technologies and and utilizing things. I have these dreams where I'm thinking about agriculture. I'm thinking about how can we create more sustainable agriculture because climate crisis is right around the corner. Exactly. And let me tell you this, mm-hmm. it is not looking, it's not looking very good for us. If we don't figure out how to weatherproof our agriculture systems, mm-hmm. we're going to lose. We're not going to be able to produce enough food to actually feed everybody. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a real risk. And and so there's things like that. I'm also thinking about like, you know, I, I'd love to be able to start a school, you know, where, where we are essentially creating um, the ability for kids to get an alternative experience than our, because I live in the U.S. Yeah. I know that you live in Canada, so yeah. it might be different there. But we yeah. have this really ridiculous sense of, of American history yeah. where we talk about America as if it has this long ancient history, but we're only like 300 years old at mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we're still under 300, uh, no, 1776. So like, yeah, so we're still under 300 years old. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we talk about, we have people literally fetishizing the confederacy which is a completely failed yeah uh state Mm -hmm. uh completely like it lasted five years and we talk about it as if it's american heritage and these people are flying their flags and it's just it's just utterly ridiculous (laughs) and we don't teach our kids any reasoning we don't teach them any um Mm -hmm. We, we simply don't teach our kids philosophy. We don't teach them morals and ethics. We rely on religion to do that for us, but mm. instead of actually using it to learn about how to be a decent person, all mm. we do is use it as a reason to excuse ourselves from our terrible behavior. Mm. <laughs> so it's just, I, I, I want to be able to solve educational problems essentially, uh, essentially and, and I think starting a school would be great and you know, I'd love it if UX House could become a nonprofit and become like an AIGA organization for UX designers and for UX professionals, people working under the UX umbrella. Um, like, you know, so I have a lot of these uh, aspirations. And like you said, I am definitely a bit of a unicorn, a <laughs> um, bit of a, certainly a jack of all trades. I don't know what to do with my life at the end of the day. I just mm. know that I'm trying to find some simplicity in it all. You know, and then there's a, the part of me that just wants to just say, screw it and go and live off the land. I want to buy some land. I want to build my own, build my own, my own home. I want to make it sustainable. I want it to rely on solar energy, on, on possibly wind energy. You know, you can build a wind turbine. It doesn't have to be one of those huge ones and it can produce quite yeah. a bit of power and solar power and stuff oh, like yeah. that. I want to have. I want to have livestock. I want to have a greenhouse. You know, I want to be able to employ the technologies that I want to help develop and pioneer in practical ways in order to create a sustainable life for myself. Because it's you know it's it's hard, especially I think living in the U.S. where um, mm-hmm. 
I just feel like we don't actually, we're not, we're not doing the right thing, like 100% of the time here. And there's so many things that we need to be focusing on, and we're just not focusing mm. on them. Totally agree. And totally respect so. that idea of, like, creating your own, like, your own eco zone, your own bubble, where you could live sustainably and do the right things that I think we would all wish society would do, right? I've yeah, always exactly. been thinking about, like, getting a tiny house. I don't think I'll be able to afford it, but I would love to live in a tiny house just off the grid. Oh, yeah. You know? I am. Like, tiny yeah. house, that's my, that's my that's jam. My, jam. My, uh, yeah. my part. You get it. <laughs> my, I do, I do. My partner, unfortunately, she's not, mm. she doesn't like the idea of having mm. little, you know, such a tiny space. But, man, I would live in a van if I could. <laughs> I would, I would, I would, I would get one of those transport vans, like mm. the ones that have like pretty tall ceilings and they're like a little extra longer, not just like one of those little, you know, white, white box fans, right? It's mm -hmm. a little bit more aerodynamic. It's a little bit bigger on the inside. And mm. I would build, I would build like a modular, you know, like it turns into, uh, you know, it, it, it goes from bedroom to living room to kitchen to, you know, uh, like you know shower and everything like that all yeah. in one and all you have to do is is move some things around because i love modular thinking i love modular systems i love modular design i love modular anything so and minimalist everything yeah. as well there's there's a so, lot of beauty like and simplicity in it yeah in, in modular design it kind of reminds yeah. me of like um living spaces in in tokyo in japan and also yeah. in some places in Europe, because it seems like, you know, American proportions of, like, a living space is really quite huge compared to other parts in the world. But, yeah, like, utilizing a small space, it just feels clean. It just feels like poetry to me. <laughs> like, things are in the right place, and there's order. My life is too much chaos, but I, I need order. So, I definitely aspire to those things. Yeah. I am, uh, I am, I'm definitely on, on, on the same page with that. And like, that's also, you know, like, I'm, I'm like wondering, like, maybe, maybe I should move out of the country. I've been learning <laughs> Korean. I've been learning Korean for the last year because oh. Korea is, South Korea is the most innovative country as of late. It is. Um, and so I've, you know, I've been learning, uh, Korean, very slow progress. It's a difficult language to learn, but, yeah. um, Do you know, essentially, okay. Yeah, go on. Go ahead. I was going to say annyeonghaseyo, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you could correct my pronunciation. Yeah. No, annyeonghaseyo is yeah. how you say it, yeah. And yeah. then there's like, you know, you know, chingu ha, chingu, chingu haja, like let's go be friends, right? Like, uh, you know, there's like little, there's, have you heard whiting? Have you heard that? No, I haven't. That's actually something that I learned of the other day. It's like, it's like, it's like the Korean way of saying like, you know, you know, cheering somebody on. It's basically, it's, it's, it's taking like the English word fighting, like, you know, oh. fighting with like, like fighting spirit. Right. And then they say it, you know, using their, their pronunciation of, of Roman letters oh. and it ends up being like fighting, like with an H and a W oh, okay. and it's like, you know, they use it to cheer each other on when they're in uh, you know, various situations so fighting um yeah okay <laughs> no that's cool that's cool so i mean i'm thinking about like you know moving i've even thought about moving to canada i've thought about moving to 
New Zealand. Like, it's just, I don't know if where I'm at is where I'm meant to be. That's essentially what, um... Have you traveled anywhere before? I have. I went to, I've been to Singapore. Um, I've been to Mexico. I've been to Bermuda. Um, the latter two were on vacation. I went to Singapore for, uh, like a, uh, it was like some. It was like some award ceremony for because a, a friend of mine used to be a, a YouTuber and it was like some mm. YouTube awards thing. So I, oh. I ended up getting to, getting to um, tag along with them. Wow, that must have been awesome. It was pretty. It was very cool, actually. Um, Did they hook you up in a hotel? Yeah, I actually got to stay in the Marina Bay Sands. It's like a five-star, like, you know, hotel with, like, an infinity pool on the top. It was pretty sweet. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I've never been to Singapore, but, like, I've done some client work. It there. was this. Yeah. It was the cleanest city I've ever heard. Oh, well, I know yeah. Singapore is a full, is a whole country, technically, but it's, it's still, like, you know, most of it is just metropolis, right? Yeah. Um, I know that there's still, like, you know, vegetation. You know, there's mm. lots of jungle and stuff mm. like that, like uh, tropical-type Mm-hmm. Uh, areas and stuff like that, but the city itself, um, like the main downtown area, they, mm-hmm. I mean, they'll fine you for littering, like, really hard. You're not allowed to chew gum with, like, out of prescription or something like that, yeah. like, it's something crazy. Um, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. No problem. Should have. <laughs> I need to, I probably should have muted myself, but. It's okay. Um, yeah, I uh, I thought it was a really cool place. Have I been anywhere else? I don't think I have. I mean, I've traveled all over the U.S. Mm. I used to. I grew up in the Southwest, and then I grew up, uh, you know, half in the Southwest, half on the Northeast Coast. Mm. Um, I've been to, you know, I've been to California. I've been to the West Coast. I've been down south. I've been. I've never really been in central Central U.S. like mm. uh, you know the, the the flyover states or anything like that. Okay. Um, but if like, if I could, like I would, you know, Colorado, I think would be a cool place to live. Um, but it's just so expensive there. It's just hard to, hard to justify, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, didn't think about moving up to Maine. I don't know if I could handle all, mm-hmm. all the snow though. I was told that your main mode of transportation in the winter is, um, snowmobile. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Cause like. Maine and even parts of like New York and Michigan like it's pretty close to the border of Canada so I'm pretty sure our harsh winters kind of spill over to your side so yeah the snow yeah. wouldn't um, improve where I'm at now I'm, I'm on the other side of the river for mm. uh, from Toronto I believe mm. uh, we're getting pretty a decent amount of snow here as well yeah. we get a whole we get that lake effect apparently you know whatever it's called with the uh one of the great lakes you know all the moisture coming off of it we get a lot of stuff from that oh really okay i don't know i didn't know that was a thing i don't live near Niagara, i didn't know so it I was didn't... until i moved here yeah. either okay <laughs> that's cool yeah oh i was meaning to ask um since you're into um you know astrophysics and stuff did you hear about the meteorite that flew right past it, it was seen in, in Toronto, but it could have it could have been viewed uh, in Syracuse. No, I didn't actually. Okay, well, if you Google it, I think you might find some articles on it. I just want to know if you had like an opinion on that. 
because I didn't see it. I just oh, this saw is it like on my three days ago. Yeah. But like, what my main concern was, if this thing landed anywhere, where did it land? Like, whose house yeah. was damaged from that? Like, a giant flying hot rock is uh, in our atmosphere. It doesn't just shrivel up and just disintegrate. Like, it looked kind of huge. Yeah, yeah, that that wasn't that wasn't saying no. Like, yeah, I mean, some meteorites disintegrate entirely before yeah. they actually make it to the ground. But I mean, that looked like it was pretty decently large. So if you found it, like, there's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, most meteorites, I think, burn up pretty. Dis- like, they get pretty small. So that was probably mm-hmm. only like I don't know. Once it hits the ground, it might not even be as big as a basketball. It could be smaller than that. Oh, um, because depending on, I, I mean, if it's, if it, the big bright light in the, scr- in the sky, like it looks, it makes it, because I mean, there's just so much material that is burning up on mm-hmm. the entry into the atmosphere that mm-hmm. um, even though like the flame could be big, like it could be caused, like, you know, the, once it hits the ground and it's, you know, obviously not burning up anymore in the atmosphere, it's like, it could still be pretty small uh, by that time. So mm-hmm. I would love to find a meteorite, though, one day. That would be super cool. Like, I've always wanted to, like, if I ever saw one in the, you know, in the sky, like, I mean, like, how could you track it? Like, that would be my first, that's always my first thought is, like, how can I track this thing so that I can essentially um, go and find it and then break it open and like make something from like are there metals inside like can i you know be yeah uh, you, you, you if you watched avatar yeah i haven't seen avatar the, uh, really oh you got it you have to watch avatar the last airbender okay <laughs> the uh the cartoon series you gotta watch yeah. it it's fantastic even for even for adults like it is one of the best cartoon series i think that's ever been made like it's just it's just the best um there is a, I don't want to spoil it though. Well, it, you know, it's relevant and Stu's just going to talk about it. It's pretty common knowledge. There's mm-hmm. a character who gets mm-hmm. to make a sword out of a meteorite, mm. out of a, out of the metals found in a meteorite. Yeah. And like, that's so badass. I would love to like find the material <laughs> like that, like a very unique material and make something super cool out of it. <laughs> Would I've you, been actually thinking, mm. like, of getting, of, and I've been doing, like, small little carving projects, woodworking. Like, mm. I'd love to make a bow. I'd love to make, like, a bow and arrow um, for myself and be able to fletch arrows and, and uh, you know, uh, what's, I don't know how, I guess it depends on the material you make the arrowhead out of. But if I made it using, like, flint or obsidian or something like that, I would have to chip, chip out, you know, the mm. shape of the arrowhead, like, they used to like i don't know i just really like the idea of getting hands-on just doing things myself that's why i that's why i've done so many different things i just like to do things myself i don't like i don't like not knowing how things work it bothers me yeah so (laughs) if i can i will learn how to do it and i will be i will be proficient at it like i've never not anything that i've tried to learn to do i've not there's nothing that i've ever had trouble getting good at doing like whether it's been a sport whether it's Mm. been you know, using a program, whether it's been a skill, like if I learn how to do it, I'm going to do it well. I I was going to ask, but I wasn't sure whether this might be rude or not. I don't think it is, but I, I wonder, have you ever thought that you might be on the spectrum? Um, I mean, I, I have before, but I just, I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like that's, 
I just don't, I don't feel like I, I would fit. Like I've, I've, and so I, I actually was a camp counselor at a, uh, at a, uh, camp that was specifically mm. for individuals on the spectrum, mm. um, Asperger's, autism, Tourette's, yeah. um, uh, you know, neurological disorders and, yeah. and, and stuff like that kind of got balled in there as well. And mm. there was just a lot of very different, um, uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of different kids from very different backgrounds with various um you know challenges in their yeah. in their lives and in yeah. the way that they think and, and stuff like that and yeah. it was it was a really great experience because it exposed me to a lot more of what w- w- like more than m- me as an as a neurotypical individual right like mm. i that that i i had never even thought was there and that's actually one of the big reasons why when i was in my graduate program yeah. for ux design before i decided to just get a job right yeah. i was working on like a, a vr experience for uh, for artistic individuals so that they could learn social skills and, yeah. and and hopefully have an easier time with with tasks like job interviews right yeah um and so I, and, and from my understanding, being on the spectrum, it, 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 I know that there's a lot of uh, individuals who have Asperger's, which is not as severe as autism itself, um, but they have a lot of, they still have a, a lot of, of social skills, uh, uh, issues with social skills and, and, and lacking in those areas. And I have yeah. to be honest, I'm, I'm just a very charismatic person. I, I have a <laughs> lot of... This is going to blow your mind, but, like, I was recently diagnosed with ASD, so I'm autistic myself, and, yeah, I used to think the way that you did, where growing up, I felt different, I did feel like something was off with me, but couldn't really explain what, you know, I could learn things quickly and slowly at the same time, Um, yeah, I had a lot of eclectic interests as well, but I had a very literal way of looking at the world and my need for structure and order was just a little bit atypical, so to speak. It's not so easy for people to see it. And I think that's kind of why I flew through the radar was just because of the way that I kind of present my social skills. It, it would appear like I don't have a problem at all, but I think it was just, you know, I have a lot of anxiety that I don't usually talk about with people and it you know let's just say some of my sensory issues were really kind of problematic for me as a kid but it didn't lead me to like having extreme meltdowns which is what people would stereotypically assume is part of the autism spectrum right yeah so the the spectrum ranges and it's like yes there are some people with Asperger's who are like me or you where they could you know, speak pretty well for themselves. They're highly competent and, and articulate, right? Um, some of them are hyperlexic. Sometimes they're just really good at speaking and they have like a wide, you know, uh, vocabulary higher than normal, right? So, that would be yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm I not mean, say- you're I'm giving me something you to consider be- here. So, yeah. maybe my understanding is too rudimentary of, of the spectrum because, um, I mean, I mean, I don't know. Not that I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think it would be a bad thing. Like if I, if, if that's, if that, if that is, is, is the case, right? And I don't really know how I would even go about seeking out a diagnosis. Um, 
I'd have to look into that. I mean, I have been diagnosed with like, you know, I've, I've been diagnosed with major depressive disorder and OCD mm. tendencies, mm-hmm. um, which essentially is just having a OCD. That's essentially what I've, yeah. I've identified with. And so um, if it's, if, because I know that for a lot of, a lot of individuals on the spectrum that yeah. OCD is kind of similar to yeah. some of the, uh, I don't, I don't know what a better word is, but the symptoms of their condition, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that is something to consider. I haven't thought about it, to be totally honest. Okay. I always thought that my, my, my charismatic nature and the ease that I have of talking to people oh, automatically disqualified me because uh, my understanding has always been like, you know, the spectrum essentially, like, you know, the, the one most common uh trait is 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 the 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 struggles with social skills and i've never had that I've, I'm, I'm a very very solitary person i do not like being around other people i get very uh well, that's the thing right you don't uh, like, like i just i just don't like it but i can do <laughs> yeah. it and i can yeah. do it very well at the yeah. same time i just i just get exhausted right yeah same so yeah it's all right. I mean, I don't think, and I don't think your question was rude um, okay. at all. <laughs> it's all right. No, if I, that's the case, then you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to accept myself as I am, just as I accept other people. Exactly. And uh, you know, I don't know. And that's something to think about because, I mean, there have been times where I have thought about it and be like, I wonder, you know, is that is that possible? Like, but because there's just these peculiarities, there's these particular qualities about mm-hmm. myself that. You know, you're like, you know, I'm not like normal people. Like, you know, like that's something that I have no problem admitting and I, I accept that about myself. But uh, not knowing exactly why I'm not normal is, is also somewhat, you know, it's, it's, it can be frustrating because, you know, why wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Anywho, um, usually at this point we would have like, Q&A, but since there's no one here, um, do you have any <laughs> questions for me? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, what, so what are you looking to get out of this, like, whole podcast experience? What are the, what's the, uh, what's the end goal? Like, you're looking to have, like, regular guests? Is this going to be, or is this just going to be, like, kind of one-offs with various people, and, you know, you're, you're going to have a new guest every time? Yeah, I could, I'm open to anything. Um, I can have the same guest appear again. Um, just as long as, like, there's something new to talk about, I'm pretty down for it. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to create this podcast to create some more, like, connection and engagement. Um, I mean, a lot of people who are learning UX design or already experienced in it, it's like, there's an overwhelming amount of information out out there about what you should do, what you should learn. But Mm -hmm. I also think that it's important for people to reflect on decisions like think about themselves as like a, a professional and I think we don't really talk about that as much right so I agree I kind of want to bring the focus you know back on people and human beings having real experiences so it's not just always about money it could also be about life it could be about everything anxieties tragedies how we overcome them because yeah it, it plays out in our work it plays out in everything about ourselves and our identity yeah. so yeah I just Absolutely. wanted to take something like I, I just wanted to do this, just as a way to bring more people onto the server and get them socializing with other fellow designers, you know? 
make us less strangers and more friends, and mm-hmm. to build a better better community. So yeah. Right on. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. There's there's a, there's many people, especially in the design world, where they're not really interested in being introspective. They're not really looking to grow. And that's a very big pillar that I've built UX House on is that you must be interested in growing and mm. continuing your development as a professional, as a person. And you, there is no ego about it. Like, yeah. sure, there's people in the server who are egotistical, but I mean, we are designers. It is a part of our nature to have the confidence to be able mm. to say, I can do this, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have an ego in order to be able to be confident and mm-hmm. say that you are able to do something and to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you don't need to have that the, the, the toxic ego. You don't need to have the arrogance, right? And those are the things that I say, you leave this at the door or yeah. you're, we're not, we're not going to open the door for you, right? Because True. like that's just not what we're interested in, in cultivating. We're interested in cultivating a mindset for growth, not a mindset for domination or just straight up just success right mm. because success in in a lot of people's eyes is just making money mm. and i don't think it should ever be about the money nothing mm. should ever be about money and it's 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 disappointing how many things are about making mm. money in our world uh to me and so that's something that i i i want to change and and you know um and that's what you know a big pillar of what i've built our, my community on and that's probably a big reason why we don't have a lot of people right you know we only have we just broke 200 members right yeah. and i know that the creative the the collective studio here uh, just broke 500 members, so you're a little <laughs> ahead of us. But at the same time, like it's that slow growth, and I, I really think that we should be proud of slow growth rather than yeah. fast growth because it's just much better. You get better people, you get better uh, experiences and interactions. It's just better all around to have slow growth, slow, sustained, maintainable. Like you. You're able to control the direction you're going in and, and everything. And it's just it's just so much nicer that way, in my opinion. And um, anybody who says otherwise is, is, isn't really in it for the community. <laughs> They're just in it for the bragging rights, true, right? True, true, true. 100% agree with your so. values, everything. Yeah. Hey, and I'm, yeah, go on. If you're interested in, if you're interested in uh, doing, like, a spinoff where like we do a pod like you do if you want to do a podcast where we talk about things specific things and topics i'm totally down totally down so just putting that out there yeah absolutely yeah we could always talk about it a little bit later yeah that'd be cool pretty excited Woo. well that was a good talk um yeah i had a good time inviting me. yeah it was a good session Time is flying so fast, and uh, do you have anything else this, that you want to say before we, you know, check out? Well, I just, uh, you know, I, I just hope that to anybody who, who, who listens, and you don't got to do what other people tell you to, in order to find your path, and in fact, that's probably not the way that you're going to find your path by listening to other people telling you what to do, exactly. and uh, yeah, I just encourage people to find their own paths. 100% can't agree more. Thank you very much, Matt. Um, Thank you. See you later uh, around the corner or something like that. Maybe we'll plan another uh, <laughs> podcast right now. But uh, yeah. yeah, that was a good session. Yeah, yeah. Thank Thanks. you for coming and everything. Time. And have a good Thanks night. Thanks for having me. You too. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening. If you want to join our Discord community, simply go to tinyurl.com slash tcstudio to register for free.